This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Well, first, thank you to all our patrons on Patreon. You guys, we are so grateful for you. You make this podcast possible. We're just thankful for your support. And if you out there want to add support, you can visit patreon.com slash right from the deep. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash right from the deep. A big thank you to our February sponsor of the month, Wendy L. MacDonald. She's a writer, poet, podcaster, photographer, and nature lover. And I know you'd enjoy getting to know her. She has a free special gift for you. 10 Good Habits to Help You Become a Great Listener. That sounds like something we all need. You can find <laughs> a link for it in our show notes. Thank you, Wendy. And it is my turn for a wonder. And I got to tell you guys, y'all know about my dog, Ellie, and you know how much we love her dearly. <laughs> you might also have picked up that she could be a little problematic now and then. We've had uh, just, I don't know, so far only three trips to the vet <laughs> ER. <laughs> like they know who we are now. <laughs> um but I have to tell you that something remarkable happened in January. It was the first month that she did not go over budget. Yay! <laughs> in in healthcare costs and or this, that, and the other stuff that she needed. <laughs> and here's the thing. I, I just wanted to take note and be joyful and, and delight in the way that that happened. I'm thankful to God for that. He has always provided, you know, but, and, and guys, there's good seasons and bad seasons, you know, there's hard times, there's easy times, but here's the thing. God is always still in control, Amen. and he is going to take care of it. And that is a wonder to me. Amen. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the deep. Now, over the last 10 years or so, I've grown aware of something that has kind of troubled my heart. In fact, it's troubled my heart a lot and my spirit. But when I decided to make this situation a topic of a podcast, I got to say, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Every word seemed like a struggle. I wrote and rewrote, researched, deleted, and started over. It wasn't because I didn't know what I wanted to say, but because I felt so ill-equipped to say it. Then in my research, I discovered a voice and a life I'd never really heard about before. And it's this voice in life that I want to share with you today, because this man didn't just address the issue so many struggle with. He lived a life steeped in, as he called it, the reality of the things of God. Who is this man? It's George Mueller. 
Now, some of you may be well acquainted with him, but I certainly was not. Um, I wasn't familiar with his extraordinary life of prayer. And that, you guys, is the topic of this podcast. Though we often gear our podcasts to, you know, the task of writing or our spiritual journey as writers, for this episode, we're going to be talking about prayer in every aspect of our lives. Now, before we jump in, I want to let you know that the primary source of my information on George Mueller is a remarkable little book called George Mueller, Delighted in God by Roger Steer. And I want to encourage you to pick up a copy and read it for yourself. Uh, So many wonders and details that we just don't have time to share here. It's every page so that I turned and read. I would read it to my husband because I was so astonished. And I also encourage you to pick up a book called Release the Power of Prayer by George Mueller himself or any of Mueller's other books, for that matter. And I encourage you to find pictures of him online, because I don't know if you'll agree with me, but but what I saw when I saw his face was the face of a man filled with peace and the sure confidence in an almighty prayer-answering God. I mean, seldom have I been so impacted by a man's faith in life. So may we all learn to live our lives as he did, steeped in prayer. So as believers in Christ, we take on the mantle of the blood of Christ. That is sacrificed for us. And this mantle covers our sins and weaknesses and grants us entrance into the very throne room of Almighty God. Okay, think about that. The very throne room of Almighty God. And it doesn't just grant us the entrance. It welcomes us into God's presence to talk with him, (laughs) almighty God. You can talk to him whenever we want. And there's nothing, nothing more intimate nor powerful than our conversations with who, guys? The creator of the universe, with the God who sees us and loves us and provides for us. And yet I've heard believers say things like, well, at least I can pray. Or I can't do anything but pray. And, you know, I realize there are times when I can't do anything but pray as an acknowledgement of our limitations and God's power. But, but what I'm talking about is the creeping attitude among believers that prayer is somehow our fallback. You know, the mm. attitude seems to be, well, if there's nothing practical I can do, I can, I can pray. Or sometimes, guys, when people ask for prayer, like believers will say, hey, yeah, sure, we'll pray. But sometimes it's almost like this attitude that we're, you know, patting a child on the head and just being like, you know, they're there, you know, it'll be okay. And then we go on with our day and maybe we shoot a quick prayer heaven word, you know, maybe. It's almost an afterthought, though. But we should never treat prayer or prayer requests in this way. Guys, I got to tell you, prayer is never the least we can do. It's the most we can do. No matter what else we're able to do in our lives or to help others, we can pray. Say that. We can pray. Stop and think about it. Do we understand what an awesome privilege that is and what a powerful responsibility it is to go to God with not just our concerns, but with the concerns and fears of others, to seek his will and intervention, believing he will answer? 
Let's think about some things that Scripture says about prayer. Here's what they are in Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And in Mark 11, 22 and 24, have faith in God. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And then Luke twenty two forty six. get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. In Matthew 21, 22, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And then in Luke 18, 1, Jesus told his disciples the parable of the persistent woman and the judge in order to show them that they should always pray and not give up. It's not like Jesus didn't think about prayer. It's not like it's not important. It's there. There's no equivocation in Scripture. Always pray. Ask and it will be given. Not it may be given or God will think about it. Pray and don't give up. When you pray, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now I can hear you now. Hang on, you're saying. Not every prayer is answered. I've prayed X, Y, Z for years and it still hasn't been answered. Yeah, but maybe this is where today's believers started to lose their belief in the absolute power of prayer. Maybe because we haven't seen an answer to our prayers, especially those that we've taken to God over and over. Our certainty that God will answer, well, maybe it's slid a bit because, you know, he hasn't answered. Or so we think. George Mueller lived a life steeped in prayer. As a result, he, by God's answers and provision, not in and of himself, which he was always quick to say, he accomplished amazing things in his 93 years of life. He was born in 1805, a troublemaker when young and imprisoned for a brief time for theft when he was 16. He encountered Christ at the ripe old age of 20. And for the next 10 years, he studied to become a missionary and actually was disowned by his father for doing so. And through God's leading, he became a pastor instead, founded the Scripture Knowledge Institute, got married. And in 1834, he felt led to form an institution established for spreading the gospel at home and abroad. And so he prayed that God would show him if this was his will. And by June of 1835, Mueller had opened five day schools and taught over 400 children and distributed nearly 800 Bibles. Can you just imagine how much that cost? And 750 New Testaments. In addition, they sent missionaries around the world financial and prayer support. Wow. All from donations that came to them by God's hand. Then in December of 1835, God moved George to pray about establishing a house for orphans. You see, at that time in the UK, there were accommodations for roughly 3,600 orphans. Well, there were a whole lot more orphans than that there. So most of them were sent to homes for foundlings, which were terrible places, or the workhouses, Even more terrible. Think Oliver Twist. Mm. But Mueller's reasons for opening an orphan house weren't what we might expect. His most important reason was to glorify God. You see, when people saw God's provision in answer to prayer, it would prove the reality of total trust in God, thus strengthening believers in their faith. And second, he wanted to take care of the spiritual welfare of the orphans. And third, yes, he wanted to see to the orphans' physical needs. So as he was praying about whether or not he should do this, whether it was God's will for him, something happened. George recorded it in his journal. This is what he said. 
On December 5th, however, the subject of my prayer all at once became different. I was reading Psalm 81 and was particularly struck more than at any time before with verse 10. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. I thought a few moments about these words and then was led to apply them to the case of the orphan house. It struck me that I had never asked the Lord for anything concerning it except to know his will respecting its being established or not. And then I fell on my knees and opened my mouth wide, asking him for much. I love that image. He goes on to write, I asked in submission to God's will and without fixing a time when he should answer my petition, I prayed that he would give me a house, either as a loan or that someone might be led to pay the rent for one or that one might be given permanently for this object. Further, I asked him for a thousand pounds, which by the way is approximately 150,000 pounds today, which is one and a half that in dollars. And he goes on, and likewise, for suitable individuals to take care of the children. Besides this, I have been since led to ask the Lord to put into the hearts of his people to send me articles of furniture for the house and some clothes for the children. Because you see, what he did is he didn't do fundraising. He didn't ask people for anything. He only went to God for the provision of their needs. He goes on to write, when I was asking the petition, I was fully aware what I was doing, i.e. that I was asking for something which I had no natural prospect of obtaining from the brethren whom I know, but which was not too much for the Lord to grant. And he was right. Five days after he prayed what he did, he received a letter from a brother and sister in Christ who said they wanted to come work in his orphan house for no salaries, because, and I quote, God will supply all our needs, unquote. And this brother and sister also gave all their furniture for use in the house. And three days after that, a man said he'd been convicted by God to give weekly support to the house. And two more believers offered to work for no salaries and give all their furniture to the house. And so it went. <laughs> You know, when George actually started this process, he had all of two shillings in his pocket, which in today's money is roughly $16. And that's when he started praying. But again, he opened his mouth, presented his needs to God, and believed God would provide in his own way and in his timing. And God did, sometimes with just enough to meet the immediate need, sometimes with larger amounts. In fact, it's said that Mueller received so much in donations none of which he asked for other than to go to prayer in God. He received so much in the donations that over his life, he was able to give away 800,000 pounds, which in today's money is nearly 3 million pounds or 4.5 million U.S. dollars. Wow. <laughs> Even more amazing is that he didn't use any of the donations for the orphan houses for his or his family's care. Instead, he trusted God for their daily bread, submitting his request and then waiting and waiting for God to act. Now, in case you guys are thinking it was in any way easy for Mueller to live this way or that his life was easy, here are some facts. He was disowned by his father when he decided to become a missionary. We had said that. And he lost his mother while he was studying to be a missionary. He and his wife lost two children, one in stillbirth, one when a year old to an illness, and he suffered numerous serious health challenges throughout his life. 
And what about the prayers that God didn't answer right away? Well, Mueller said this, we ought to love God even though we have no answers to our prayers. But all this will greatly increase our love, and it is not only once, but if we mark the hand of God, we shall soon find that we have scores and hundreds of answers to prayer, and thus we shall be led to love him more and more for all he has done. Now, just in case y'all are out there thinking, uh, yeah, well, that's George Mueller. I could never have a prayer life like that. No one could but him. God chose him for this special kind of prayer life. Well, George actually addressed that in his writings. He made it clear that his faith wasn't like the gift of faith that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Rather, George said he was able to trust God because of the grace of faith. He wrote, It's true that the faith which I am enabled to exercise is altogether God's own gift. It is true that he alone supports it and that he alone can increase it. It is true that moment by moment I depend upon him for it and that if I were only one moment left to myself, my faith would utterly fail. But it is not true that my faith is that gift of faith which is spoken of in 1 Corinthians. So here's the thing. Mueller's goal was always to encourage believers in their faith. And that's why he made such a point of the fact that his faith, as is true of all believers' faith, was given to him and sustained by God. But it wasn't some special ability. It was, quite simply, guys, the result of his determination to take God at his word. It's something we're all expected to do. And Mueller went on to say, all believers are called upon in the simple confidence of faith to cast all their burdens upon him, to trust in him for everything, and not only to make everything a subject of prayer, but to expect answers to their petitions, which they have asked according to his will and in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, in all, by the end of his life, George Mueller had cared for over 10,000 orphans. He gave them educational opportunities on top of everything else. He established 117 schools that offered Christian education to more than 120,000 people. According to an article in the Times, Mueller received approximately one and a half million pounds, equaling $2.6 million through faithful prayer, and established orphanages in five locations. He spoke in countless countries. He spoke in the U.S. He went to the White House. He preached and taught about faith and trust in God. He reached hundreds of thousands with the Gospels. He is known to have had 50,000 prayers answered during his life. This man was a life well lived, not because he was someone special, but because he believed in and trusted God to be all that he said he was. So if George Mueller was no one special, meaning each of us can attain a faith like his, we can. How do we go about it? Well, first, we must ask ourselves one question, and it's a very important one. Do I believe? So ask yourself that, guys. Do you? Do you believe God in all he says he is? Do you believe he will do what he says he will do? That he will answer your prayers because you must if you expect an answer for him. The Bible is very clear on that in James 1, 6 and 7. But you must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. 
for that person ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. There could be no doubt, guys, that George Mueller believed with every ounce of his being. Just one example happened in 1877, um, and I loved this. <laughs> when he was uh, crossing the Atlantic, a dense fog descended, and the captain of the ship slowed their progress to be safe, and that's reasonable, right? And George went to the captain and said he had to be in Quebec by the following afternoon. And the captain was like, uh, sorry, there's no way we're going to make it in time because the fog. So what did George do? He asked the captain to pray with him. They went to a room below decks, uh, the captain muttering all along while they're going down there what a waste of time it all was, and Mueller prayed. The captain actually started to follow suit, but George stopped him. In part, he said, because the captain didn't believe in prayer, but mostly because the prayer had already been answered. Had Mueller seen the fog lift? No, but he believed. He he told the captain, I have known my Lord for more than 50 years, and there is not one instance that I have failed to have an audience with the king. Get up, captain, for you will find that the fog has gone. They went back up on the bridge, and the fog was indeed gone. Right? Wow. <laughs> so how do we pray like George Mueller? Well, first, we've said we believe. We got to believe like he did. We pray with the utter certainty that God will answer in his way, in his time. So do we believe that God is able to do infinitely more and exceedingly beyond anything we can ask for? Do we believe that God has the power to provide and that he is not only willing to do so, but delights in doing so? If you're not sure, you guys, if you're not sure you believe like this, then Follow Mueller's lead and go to Scripture. Ask God to show you why you can believe this. And here's a couple verses that'll help you get started. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says, Don't be afraid, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Psalms 37, 7, 18 through 19 and 39 through 40 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Wait patiently for him to act. That's a tough one. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them and they find shelter in him. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And Luke 13, 10 to 13. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness caused by a spirit, and she was bent over double and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your sickness. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she stood up straight again and began glorifying God. Eighteen years. Have you prayed for something for 18 years with no apparent answer? Maybe longer. I've been praying for something for 45 years and have seen... <sighs> 
many answers. I've seen little things that have changed, but the predominant prayer that I have has not yet been answered. But that's okay. Are you willing to wait for God to act? Even if you don't see the answer come in your lifetime, will you still believe that God will do as he promised? Remember, just because God hasn't answered a prayer yet doesn't mean he'll never answer it. It can't mean that. If it does, then God isn't who he says he is. You know, Mueller had six people that he asked God to bring to faith. Every day he prayed for those people. One came to faith not long after Mueller began praying, and then one several years, and then two more over a larger number of years, and only one was still unsaved when Mueller died. So does that mean God didn't answer that prayer? Not at all. The man came to faith a year after Mueller's death. There is no such thing as taking too long for God. He will answer when he knows the time is right. We don't need to see the answers. We simply need to trust the provider. When you can say you believe with certainty that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he promised, then follow George Mueller's lead into Scripture. Yep back into the Word of God. Why? Because Mueller had been praying every day for years, but then God revolutionized his prayer life even more with a revelation. As Mueller wrote in his journal, quote, it pleased the Lord to teach me a truth. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord, unquote. I love that. But how about you guys? Is your soul happy in the Lord? Are you content in him, resting in him? Why did Mueller think this was so important? Because if our souls aren't happy in the Lord, then everything we do for him runs the risk of being done in the wrong spirit. So how do we achieve this soul happiness? Thankfully, thanks, Mueller, he tells us. (laughs) This is what he said. The most important thing I had to do was give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditate on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and that thus, by means of the Word of God, whilst meditating on it, my heart might be brought into communion with the Lord. So every morning after that, early, he went to God's Word. He first asked the Lord's blessing on his word, and then he meditated on the scripture. He said, I was searching it, as it were, into every verse to get blessing out of it, not for the sake of public ministry of the word, not for the sake of preaching on what I had meditated upon, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. And what was the result? Mueller found his soul led to confession or thanksgiving or intercession or supplication. In other words, guys, prayer. (laughs) And he would continue his reading and meditating, which turned the scripture into prayer for himself and for others. And as he said it, my inner man almost invariably is nourished and strengthened. And by breakfast time, with rare exceptions, I am in a peaceful, if not happy, state of heart. (laughs) I just think that's so cool. So if we want to learn how to live a prayer-steeped life, as George Mueller did, start in God's Word. Maybe even start by studying and meditating on the verse that so impacted him. And that Psalm 8110, I, the Lord, am your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. 
Starting in God's Word, letting it become prayer will accomplish something else. Mueller taught that there were conditions required for successful prayer, and the first of which was that our requests must be according to God's will. So if we're steeped in God's holy word, if we're meditating and praying on it, then we can be sure God will set our hearts and spirits right with him, and he will show us what is in accordance to his will. Mueller's second condition for successful prayer was that we mustn't ask on account of our own goodness or merit, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which comes from John 14, 13 through 14. He supported this condition with Psalm 66, 18, which says, quote, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened, unquote. In other words, Mueller said, if I live in sin and go on in a course hateful to God, I may not expect my prayers to be answered. Now, Mueller's fourth or third condition is something we've already talked about, and that is to exercise faith in the power and willingness of God to answer our prayers. And then the fourth condition is to continue patiently waiting on God till the blessing we seek is granted. As Mueller stressed, there's nothing in Scripture about when God will answer, only that he will. Therefore, Mueller wrote, beloved brethren and sisters, go on waiting upon God, go on praying, only be sure you ask for things that are according to the mind of God. Oh, friends, if we take these steps, if we're mindful of these conditions, how can our prayers not be changed? How can we not be changed, even as George Mueller was changed? And how can we not be used of God, even as Mueller was used, or even beyond how he was used? Charles Spurgeon says this about prayer. Prayer is the natural outgushing of a soul in communion with Jesus. Just as the leaf and the fruit will come out of the vine branch without any conscious effort on the part of the branch, but simply because of its living union with the stem, so prayer buds and blossoms and fruits out of souls abiding in Jesus. As stars shine, so do abiders pray. It is their second nature. So guys, abide in God, trust in his promises, believe he is who he says he is, and he will do as he promised. One final thought as we draw to a close here, don't let your feelings derail you because they can. If we've prayed and prayed and no answer seems forthcoming, we can become discouraged or we can feel that doing the things we've discussed just aren't accomplishing anything. Mueller actually warns us about this. He writes, it is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone, as if it were of no use to read the scriptures when we do not enjoy them, and as if it were no use to pray when we have no spirit of prayer. The truth is that in order to enjoy the word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we read the word of God, he said, the less we desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we desire to pray. So guys, don't let yourselves be derailed. William Arthur Rubinstein, the great pianist, once said, if I neglect practicing one day, I notice. 
two days, my friends notice, three days, the public notices. <laughs> that applies to us as well, you guys. Keep on keeping on. Because though it may take time, it's the same as with any other thing we do. The more we do it, the more familiar it becomes. The more we learn and grow and the more we are moved to do it. And ever and always, guys, wait on God to act. As George Mueller wrote, I have found invariably that if I only believed, I was sure to get it. In God's time, this thing I asked for, to see that he is able, you have only to look at the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. For to raise him from the dead, God must have almighty power. Assuredly, if we believe, we shall receive, we shall obtain. So, <laughs> prayer, guys, the least we can do, hardly. Prayer is, in fact, a believer's most powerful weapon and way to communicate with God. With prayer, we can call on God to unleash the armies of heaven that he may be glorified on the earth. We can lift those we care about to the most powerful king in creation and seek mercy or healing or whatever is needed. Prayer is not our fallback. It's our first and best act in any situation. As C.S. Lewis once said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. And as Max Lucado wrote, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm -hmm.